Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. You know, I'm kind of torn on which direction to take tonight's show in. Explain. There's there's two ways of thinking of it. I, I, I would understand why a lot of people would be interested in all that's going on right now with, this, with all of the coronavirus stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And at least through the prism of sports. Because there are a lot of, like, sports really is where you're getting a lot of these big headlines where there are public gatherings being canceled. There are parades, too like the St. Patrick's Day Parade and such. But, you know, I also feel like sometimes this can be like an escape for for some people. And there's free agency next week, and there's, like, playoffs up on the way, and maybe they'll be played without fans. But these are exciting times usually, like March. Mid-March to April, it's one of the best sports times, I think, of the year. You've got the build-up to the NHL and NBA playoffs. You have the playoffs themselves. You have March Madness. You have the Masters on the way pretty soon. You have the Players' Championship in the PGA this week. Um, you've got a lot, and you've got a lot of other stuff going on as well. Now you've got the XFL even going on. But I don't know, man. Like this coronavirus thing is like it's sweeping everything up. And I'm looking through Twitter now, and like it's almost like every hour now we're seeing something new. So. Jody Biasi, Brennan Keeney on the nightcap tonight on WGR 8030550 for your calls. You had earlier today, you had the, or last night even, Santa Clara County, right in California. Mm. They banned any public gathering of over 500 people or over 1,000 people. So the San Jose Sharks, I don't think they've announced what they're doing yet, but it appears they're going to play games in an empty arena. Then you had the Ohio governor recommending that kind of the same thing, 500 plus, whatever the number he had not recommending indoor sporting events be played with spectators, be open to fans. Now, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are in a playoff spot, by the way, in the NHL, they've come out and said, for the time being, business as usual. Philadelphia, same thing. 
I'm, I'm watching NBCSN on here, and they're about to play a game, the Bruins at the Flyers, and Philadelphia um, ex- officials recommending that they don't play sporting events with crowds. And I don't want to spend the whole show on this, but I, I feel like we should at least for a couple minutes because it is impacting sports in a big way right now. Now you have the MAC tournament, which the, the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, just announced on Twitter that they will – be holding their uh, they'll be hurt holding their tournament in Cleveland um you know without any spectators it'll be closed it'll be just the players on the court and that's impactful by the way if you are were, or were planning on heading to Cleveland to watch the UB women take part in the MAC tournament you can no longer do that so it's going to affect sports but I think you should also be allowed to, while recognizing how serious this is. Like, I, there is a bit of sadness in me right now because this is, like I said, one of my favorite times of the year. And flat out, it's going to suck. It's yeah. going to suck if you have to watch the NBA and NHL playoffs without fans and watch the Masters without that roar when somebody makes a putt. I don't think it's selfish to uh, no, be yeah. upset that your favorite things are canceled. Could, Obviously, right. there are people that are dealing with more serious side effects as of long this. as you I recognize mean, that too yeah. are dying but it's not selfish or you know strange to be upset that your favorite things are being canceled like you know listening to Chopin the Bulldog today talking about what if there is the real possibility the Stanley Cup playoffs are canceled that is something I look forward to every year it would be a real bummer if that didn't go on I'd understand why officials wouldn't want it to but at the same time it's okay to be upset by that. I don't think that makes you selfish, even though people are dealing with something worse. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And so that's where we are. That's where we're at. We have to uh, continue to wait to see if this continues to grow, if events continue to get put on hold like this, or the Mac taking this action here, played in front of no fans. We've got about a month or so until the playoffs in both the NBA and the NHL. You've got about a month until the Masters. You have some big events on the way. Of course, the NCAA tournament. The NCAA putting on a statement today saying that they're kind of monitoring the situation. No announcement yet. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, it feels more and more real as uh, as we continue to go along here. I, I Like I said, though, I, I want to kind of be the escape, though, from this for the next couple of hours. By the way, Niagara basketball against Marist right after our show tonight at 9 o'clock in the MAAC tournament. No, no UB in the NCAA tournament this year. They fell in the first round last night. That was a night. tough loss. That was tough. Tough, it, brutal loss. As the 5 seed, too, playing a 12. I was reading, Who though, that that was kind beaten. of a tough matchup for them. But, yeah, they had just won. Yeah. So that's tough. They've been in the tournament. It's been fun to root for them the past couple of seasons. For sure. Maybe Bonaventure's the best hope right now of the big four to get in. I know they're a 5 seed in the A-10 tournament. It's going to be tough. They have to go through Dayton. They have to go through Dayton. Like, they, Yeah, they're going to have some tough opponents. Um, and then, of course, you've got Niagara tonight, who uh, is an underdog, actually, despite being a higher seed. And then Canisius is also an underdog, too. So not expecting one of those two teams make the tournament and get an automatic bid by winning their conference, but one can only hope that one of them gets there. So Niagara and Maris tonight at 9 o'clock. But I want to spend a lot of tonight's show on the free agency and the, the impact that can be had in the next week and a half. And really... The stage is going to be set for the AFC East. I was listening to the Levitard show um, coming in today, and they're normally doing nonsense. They're not normally having sports conversations. <laughs> but somebody threw out 
about I think actually it, maybe it was because they were trying to get Josh Norman on the show today. Um, and I don't think they ended up having him on, but they were trying to get Josh Norman on the show, and they were saying that. And somebody spit out, "Well, if Brady leaves, they're the they're the favorites in the AFC East, right?" And they were tossing that around a little bit. And I'm thinking about that, like what has to happen in the next week and a half, two weeks, because I think that's when it will happen if it does. That the Bills will be the favorite in the AFC East, or at least right there, neck and neck with the Patriots. I think if Brady stays, New England is still, maybe it won't feel as much like they're a big favorite because the Bills were in it right until the to the end of the last season. But man, it'll feel like they're in it. Have if you, he leaves, though, the actual odds, what you could bet on to win the division, I think go way up in the Bills' favor if are, Brady leaves. So I, I think, I, I'm almost at a point where I think what happens with New England at quarterback is maybe more important for the Bills' 2020 outlook in terms of winning the division, than anything they could do. Are you convinced, actually, though, that Brady leaving would be the worst thing in the world for the Patriots? Are you convinced that is completely true? For the long term, I think it's the best thing for the Patriots. Like, I'd be ready to move on. I'm saying for this season. For this season. Say they bring in a guy like Andy Dalton. Are we positive that Andy Dalton can't step into what Tom Brady did this past year and make them... As good, if not better. Are we positive Tom Brady right now is a better quarterback than Andy Dalton? I, I'm not, but I would take Brady. Like, if you made me, if you pinned me down and said for one year, you get one of them, you got to win a Super Bowl. I think I'm taking Brady. People forget. Is it close enough, though, where the Patriots would still be a decent favorite in the division they'd if be, they signed they Dal- if they got Dalton? I think they would be. I don't think their odds would be quite as good if Dalton's their quarterback, but they don't even have to do as good as Andy Dalton. They, they don't. Like, they could end up with. You can end up with Marcus Mariota, who to me is kind of shot at this point. Hell, they might end up with a rookie at the end of the first round. They might end up with Jarrett Stidham being their quarterback. I, I don't think that if Brady leaves, that's Belichick's plan. I don't think that's what he ends up with. But, I mean, if that happened, then the Bills should be a clear favorite. Right. And you There's asked, middle ground. I there. think if they get one of these quarterbacks on the market, even if it is Mariota, even if it is, you know, Tannehill, I, I'm not. I don't think anyone's really quite sure what he is. If it's one of those guys, I still think the odds-on favorite would be New England to win. For there to be an actual shift in odds that you see in Vegas, mm-hmm. I would think that a rookie quarterback needs to be starting for New England. I kind of agree with that. I, I do think they take a big hit with Brady's not there, but I think you're right in that they're still the favorite. But for you. How much does it actually change? Because I, I think I think it's being discounted how good Brady actually was last season. He was not normal Tom Brady. He was not one of the best quarterbacks in football. Don't get me wrong. In fact, when he was trying to throw the ball deep, he was actually pretty efficient at it last year, but he didn't do it all that much, which would tell me that he doesn't have, and I think you could see it on the field, he doesn't have the same arm strength he once did. That's just age, 43 years old. But the guy did win 12 games, threw for 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 picks, and he did all of that with a pretty depleted group of receivers, a bad offensive line, and 
a rotating door at running back. Like we make all these excuses for Josh Allen. I think a lot of them are 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 true. Like you actually showed me a stat that Pro Football Focus had earlier that Josh Allen had the the highest rate of drops from his receivers in the by league by a wide margin yeah, compared right. to the difference between the rest of the league. Prescott yes. was second. It was like With, a whole was, percent higher. Right? It was Josh Allen was at like seven point two. Mm-hmm. Prescott was at six point two, and Prescott was number two. And the difference between Prescott and number fifteen was point nine percent. Right. So there's a bigger difference between Allen and Prescott, which is one and two, than two and 15. Right. So there's a lot of those, like there's a lot of arguments like that, that are absolutely true that you can back up when you're talking about Josh Allen and the season he had. Like he didn't have that number one wide receiver. He didn't have a big physical threat. He didn't have, um, you know, he didn't have a lot of help when in terms of like downfield uh, passing, like Robert Foster not showing up, I think was a big, was a big, uh, a big, fault for the Bills offense last season so there's a lot to go into Allen's season and I think that a lot of us are discounting the impact Brady actually could have on that team because I mean what are the excuses that Brady had like Marshall Newhouse spent half the season as his left tackle okay but the guy who couldn't make the Bills two years ago when they had the worst offensive line in football at the same token, you're talking about a defense that was like historically good. There was uh, there was a stat about uh, I want to say Bills it was offense like, was great too, or Bills defense that's was fine. great too. That's fine, but not on this level. Listen to this. I can't remember the exact statistic. I, I'll find it at a break or something mm-hmm. like that. But at one point, I think it was it was more than halfway through the season that the Patriots would have had either six, seven, or eight wins if their offense did not score a single point. Meaning, oh, yeah, yeah. if like special like teams or defense only scored for the Patriots, they still would have won the football game. You take away what I call to be those fluky plays. They're flukes, right? And turnovers and defensive touchdowns are not something that typically carry over on a year-to-year basis consistently, like offensive production does. If you take away stuff like that, the Patriots are, I don't want to call them a middling team, they're still a competitive good football team Mm -hmm. but they are not the division winner last year so so next year that's that's kind of where I'm at then but it's different for me then because I still think I think Brady's got some left in the tank I do I think he's above average starter apparently so do other teams of course the Raiders give him 30 million dollars man like that's crazy to me right um I still think he's an above average quarterback in football I do you you're telling me well above average I think he's above average. so you're telling me there are 16 quarterbacks in this league for this upcoming season. We won't even go long term. Just this upcoming season, you can get to six. You can put Brady in those top 16, give you a better chance of winning this season. I, I think yes. If you if you made me rank, would you the rather quarterbacks have, in the league based on how good they are for just this season? I think that I'm putting him in the. I'm putting him in the top. I'm definitely putting him in the top 16. Would you put Brady over Allen? <laughs> That's a question, man. Uh, they'd be very close. They'd be very close. See, I I don't think... If you switched them right now, what's the difference? Like, th- for to you, I'm asking you back you this back because I don't know if I... that That's a loaded question, and I want to think about it. It would be close for me, I think. But if you switched them last year... Is New England still winning the division if Josh Allen's their quarterback? Are the Bills still I, making I the playoffs so, if yes. Tom Brady's their quarterback? I think both teams might be relatively the same. They might be. Like, the, come on, the Bills would have been a playoff team if Tom Brady was their quarterback last year, right? Yes, of course they would have been. Yes. 
And New England would have won the division if Josh Allen was their quarterback, right? I think so. Yeah. So to me, I think they're they might be pretty close. Here's the thing: they might be pretty does, close right does now. Does the difference in Josh Allen and Tom Brady from last year flip the New England versus Buffalo games, which is really all that would have needed to be done in order mm. to switch the division for the Bills? No. No, I don't think it would have been enough. So you think Tom, if Josh Allen was a Patriot and Tom Brady was a Bill last year, you think the Patriots still win the division and the Patriots yes. beat the Bills? I think so. I still think I'd tell you, though, there are 16 quarterbacks I, that I would want Tom Brady over. Okay. Like Derek, I just Derek, want a baseline Derek for where you of think the world, he is. The, the, you know, Philip Riverses, the Jameis Winstons. There's guys, a lot of guys at the bottom there that I don't even think deserve to be in this conversation. But when you look at it from a New England point of view, and this matters to that because a lot of these quarterbacks maybe enter that same conversation. How big a drop-off are you going if you're going to Teddy Bridgewater? How big a drop-off is it between him and Andy Dalton? A lot of people, and I might agree that it's not a big drop-off, and maybe it's not one at all. What happens if you go to Derek Carr, if Brady goes to the Raiders? What happens if you go to Phillip Rivers at this point in his career? New England could go a dozen different directions, and you could probably make an argument for a bunch of guys that you're actually not losing out that much. But I don't know, man. I think that if you drop Teddy Bridgewater into that New England offense with a struggling rookie with Nikhil Harry, who will be a second-year player this year, with an older Julian Edelman who's having tough a tougher time staying healthy, with nothing at tight end. Like, they, they don't have anything at tight end. The Bills might have four tight ends better than New England's number one right now with big holes on the offensive line. And, you know, like, I'll give them a little credit. I, I said they were rotating door running back. I kind of do like New England's running back group. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's okay. I, I don't see enough there to just plug a guy in and say, all right, he's going to produce for me. And I'm not saying Brady was amazing last season, but he did throw for 4,000 yards. He did throw for 24 touchdowns. It was enough for them to win the division. And I know the defense was, of course, the bigger reason for that. And I do think if Teddy Bridgewater is New England's quarterback, I think they're probably a playoff team. But I think that's right around where the Bills are, too, which would, to me, make them maybe like a coin flip to win the division. I'm interested to see how much of last year's New England's offensive struggles were Brady declining or the fact that Brady had no one. And I think that question will be answered if Brady doesn't play this year in New England, right? Obviously mm -hmm. that question's going to be answered because I don't think the team has declined that much on the whole uh, from one year to the next, right? The defense is still largely intact, which is great for them. The, the thing is, I'm interested to see, was Brady holding them back last year? Do you think or, he was? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't. And I, you can tell that he's not the same Tom Brady, but how much of that is him actually regressing and how much of that is his team just having there's just no support on that team i don't i don't know i can't i don't think my mind isn't good enough to tell you that as far as football is concerned which one it definitely is but what i do know for a fact is that tom brady is not the same tom brady who was even 5 years ago right if you have that tom brady i don't think they're losing to tennessee in the first round I yeah. think, you know, so he, there's definitely some regression there. How much is going to be interesting? And if there is a team willing to throw a three, a wag, a three-year contract in his face, as has been speculated, it'll be interesting to see just how quickly he does decline or if at all from this past year, right? Because I, I don't think if you have a similar offensive production 
as the Patriots did last year. I mm. think the Bills and Patriots are again neck and neck for the division. I don't think it's that big of a difference between the two teams. Man, it's so interesting to what's going to happen there. Like, I, I want to see just, just to have it, an example of what Belichick does in that situation because right. we don't have it. We don't know what he does if or he's what Brady from does. scratch. Or what Brady does. Right. Brady's not, we've never seen Brady apart from Belichick. Like, you know, like we had at least a sample size of what Belichick can do without Brady, that's, and that's win double digit games. That's even, that's almost a different part of it. And I think that's interesting, too, in seeing what they both do on the field away from each other. I'm more talking about what Belichick does off the field to replace him. Like, where he goes. Does he go for the rookie? Does he go for the the older veteran like Rivers? Does he go for more of a bridge guy like a Dalton or a Bridgewater? Does he go for, you know, does he hope Washington drafts Tua and goes for like a Dwayne, a, a Dwayne Haskins. Haskins type? Like, we have no idea what Bill Belichick does in that spot. Right. And, and honestly, this question is, is interesting on multiple levels. First of all, because we're speculating on what's going to happen, and those questions think, could be answered by this time. I think he's leaving. Next, you do. All right. I think he's leaving. All right. So, uh, going off the money assumption, on right now, I think he's leaving. Going off the assumption he's leaving, I would say if the Patriots go the trade avenue or the free agency avenue with this crop of quarterbacks, the Patriots will still be the fav- the Vegas favorite. But I would still feel comfortable, as a Bills fan, I'd feel comfortable that they that this could be their year. But it wouldn't be... But to, Where I'm trying to separate is, it, for you, it wouldn't be a whole lot more likely than if Brady had been the quarterback. Like It doesn't change a ton for To you. me, it does not change to me, that maybe much. Maybe I, I think I'm different in that way. I think it does change for me. I think if Jameis Winston is their quarterback, that could go horribly wrong. But it could also go great. But it could, could also <laughs> go great. It could. So that's why uh, I'm it depends like, who it is. Like you know what you like, have. Like you so. know what you have in Brady, right? You know what you at least to a certain extent, because we don't know how far he'll decline on an off season to off season basis. We don't know sure. how far he'll decline, you know, until September. We don't know that yet. But when you have a say, I'm trying to think of like what a perfect like would Dalton be the guy like where Bills fans are split fifty fifty. On if the Bills are now the team to be in the AFC East, Dalton's the perfect one for it because I think yes. Derek, what if it's Derek Carr? And they're kind of the same to me. So okay, so that kind of mold where it's a guy who could maybe get you in the playoffs, probably is not going to sure. win you a Super Bowl, kind of. So that's kind of the you think that's going to be the split among Bills fans between whether or not they think the Bills well will be the the team to beat in the AFC. Well, East. think think about it this way: if at that point. Suddenly Brady being gone, it feels different. Like it might even it might it, it'll feel different just because that's always been the biggest difference between you and them. And now if you were to compare this teams, and let's just put Teddy Bridgewater in as their quarterback right now, just for sake of conversation. If Teddy Bridgewater is the Patriots quarterback and I compare the two teams, what am I looking at? I'm looking at two great defenses. New England, there's no way they're going to – they could very well maintain how good they were defensively last year, but they're not going to maintain the rate they scored on defensively. There's just no way you can do that. I can't see that happening. So you've got two great defenses. Now I'm comparing the offenses, and I'm sure New England will do something offensively. I think that's maybe also what Brady's waiting for. He maybe wants to see what the Patriots would surround him with if he goes back. Is he going to go back to throw the ball to Matt Lacoste? That maybe is what he's waiting for. But if it's Bridgewater and that cast in New England with subpar tight ends, a subpar offensive line, 
like one good wide receiver and a big question mark in Nikhil Harry and some good running backs, but none, no great ones. I, I then maybe I think I'm making an argument. I think that I'm taking the Bills because I like the Bills offense and it, I think I like the potential of the Bills offense. It was very frustrating for me when they were not scoring points last year because there are a lot of pieces I like. I like Devin Singletary a lot. Didn't get the ball enough. I like the potential for Dawson Knox. He's got to figure out how to hang on to the ball. But that guy's got big upside to me. I like a lot of the pieces they have in their offensive line. I like John Brown. I like Cole Beasley. There's a missing spot there at receiver that they sure. still need. But there's more about the Bills offense I like in terms of what their framework is, what their structure is today than what the Patriots have. Note on the other thing I was thinking of was uh, the Bills and Patriots were relatively close last year, right? I mean, oh, it yeah. came down to the wire. Like, as a if team, they finish that game in New England, if they find a way to get that done, and they were there, they were close. Right. They win. They the win division. the division because you. I mean, you assume they do because they'd be playing starters against the Jets, and so you assume yeah, that they, they would. Beat would. The Jets. I think they would beat the Jets. at the same time. The Patriots would also know that they had to beat the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. But so they were trying already, weren't they, against the Dolphins? It's not like they were sitting guys. Fair enough, because they were they still ha- did they still have the seed on the line the top two yeah seed? they had they had the first round by so they the would line. have been trying so, yeah, so trying. you can make that assumption if they finish off the game in New England sure I think the Bills have m- more room to grow than the Patriots do right like the potential for the Bills to That's grow true. this offseason yeah. is higher than that of New England unless you are of the belief that a different quarterback is better than Brady. Mm-hmm. That's the only really conceivable way you could say that the Patriots and Bills both got better at the same rate this offseason. Because the Bills have so much room in cap space. They have you know, a bunch of picks. Like, Not that they're great picks, like, mostly later round picks, but they still have their one, two, and three. You know, they still, it's not like they're a team like the Steelers. Like, that's tough for them. Right, they are banking 100% on Ben Roethlisberger coming back and being Ben of old for them to even have yeah. a, a prayer, really, because they don't have a first-round pick this year. You know, their offense was not good. It, you know, it was awful. Their last year. their defense was fine, but obviously we saw it wasn't good enough to get them in the playoffs. They need Roethlisberger to be back to his old self for them to have a shot. I don't think we're talking about that with the Bills and Patriots this year. We're talking about two different teams with they have. The picks, they have some free agency room. I'm interested to see what the Bills do, but until free agency kind of, we kind of see what's going on in free agency, I'm not really ready to say that I think the Bills should be favorites in the AFC East. 8030550 is the phone number. What's bigger for the Bills in 2020? Who New England is starting a quarterback or what the Bills do in the next week and a half in free agency? We'll talk about some free agent options and also maybe throw the Jets around quickly into this conversation cuz they shouldn't be completely ignored in this. I don't I wouldn't pick them, but they shouldn't be completely ignored. So we'll talk about them too when we come back on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney as well, hanging out here for the next uh, hour and a half, nine o'clock tip off Niagara versus Marist in the first round of the MAAC tournament. This is WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's not a lot of receivers within the division there that make you go, ooh, we can't cover that guy. How do we do that? So I think from that standpoint, I think Sean's going to be creative enough to put him in situations where he's going to give him every chance to succeed. It's simply going to come down to what kind of physical skills he still has remaining to play with. Pete Medhurst of 106.7 The Fan in Washington on Josh Norman. There's, I mean, there's a point there about Josh Norman, and I like to me, like whatever. It's a low risk signing, give him a ton of cap space, and we also don't know what the guaranteed money is yet. Right. So there's a chance that it's not that much, and they can just cut him if it doesn't work out. Sure. Um, there's another point in there about who the Bills have to cover in the division. And they already have Trey White. And if Norman returns to even half the form that he was at a couple of years ago, then that's a big win right. to have him. Levi Wallace was definitely inconsistent last year, but I think has showed to be pretty good as an undrafted find right. at corner for yeah. sure. Like you, He can be on the field. Taron Johnson's really good in the nickel. Who do they have to cover in the division? I think maybe the best receiver in the division that's not on the Bills. And maybe that's the best. I think I would tell you the best receiver in the division right now is Robbie Anderson. Parker? I like Anderson. Parker last year was phenomenal. I'm very wary of One him year doing wonder that kind consistent. of thing. Yeah, I mean, the guy put on three years of film where he stunk, and he was about to be cut. He probably gets put, cut by Miami last year if they aren't tanking, mm. to be fair. So I he's a guy I would definitely think of, and I'd maybe put him right there with Anderson. But Anderson I like a lot. But and he could he's be gone. Got that, he's that speed. Right, no, that's what I'm saying. He yeah. might even be on the Bills, to be honest. Yeah. Who knows? I, don't, I don't think they do that. Who knows? Because I think he's going to command a bigger dollar amount than he's probably worth. Um, and maybe he just stays with the Jets. But that's like a good point, though. Who in the division scares you? Who's the best receiver in the division if Robbie Anderson leaves? Is it John Brown? I, and you, I you, think, you, think you, could, you very well could think John Brown right now is the best receiver in the division. I, like like, I don't than, think that's a crazy leap. To me, him and uh, Anderson are pretty close. I think and last year, Brown Parker. was better than Anderson. Yep. Edelman, yeah. if he's healthy, but he's just hasn't I, I, been. Yeah, I just kind of... Who would you rather have this upcoming year, healthy Edelman or John Brown? John Brown. Right. So right now... John I, Brown might I, be the best John Brown might be the, the best receiver in the division. And honestly, is Cole Beasley that far behind? I mean, New England tried to get Cole Beasley in part, I think, to supplement Edelman's role. So, no, he's not far behind. Division doesn't have a lot of studs. Exactly. But, yeah, that's a good point there. Maybe the Bills will have the best receiver if they whoever they get in free agency, whoever they get in, um, whoever they get in the draft. Let let's talk about Anderson though for a second because he made news today in that he wants to stay with the Jets, but he also had some comments in there that like he didn't sound like it was all that close. It was like one of those comments like, "Oh, I'd love to be a Jet for life, right?" But it's a business. Like there's always that but because if the Bills come knocking or some other team comes knocking with seven million dollars more a year than the New York Jets are offering him, he's going to leave. So. Like, what is that as an option? Because he's not 
the number one wide receiver you've been looking for. He's not. In, in fact, what he probably is is very similar to what you did last season. He's a he's a, ideally a number two guy. Like, if you have an elite offense, like one of the best offenses in football, Robbie Anderson's your second best wide receiver. And the Bills have a couple of those guys. They added John Brown last year, who was kind of that. They added Cole Beasley last year, who was kind of that. So he's not that number one I'm looking for. But I kind of like the idea because – I've kind of convinced myself that it's just not going to happen this year. I don't think they're going to get a number one receiver. For next year, I don't think they'll have that guy. They're not going to get Odell Beckham. They're not going to find a way to get a Mike Evans type or a T.Y. Hilton. Like Those guys won't be available. And if they were, I'm not sure the Bills would be able to get them anyway. And there's nobody in free agency is that. They're not, I don't think they're getting Amari Cooper. He basically said he wouldn't come here. And there are guys in the draft that could be that, but most of the time that doesn't happen right away right. for rookies. So I've kind of accepted 2020, they're not going to have a true number one wide receiver that is better week one than John Brown is. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that because I think that's just the reality we're living in. What is Robbie Anderson, though? Robbie Anderson, to me, is like another John Brown type. He's got more size. I don't think I'd call him as polished as a route runner, but... I pair him with John Brown and Cole Beasley. That like that's another real wide receiver. That is an upgrade. Absolutely. Yeah. To me, I like the idea of him almost being like a bridge. Like I'll give him the big money. I don't want to give him like six, six years. I don't think that really happens all that much in the NFL anyway. Yeah. But if I can get Robbie Anderson on a three or four million or three four year deal that's big money, I think I'm okay with that because it might give you time if you want to draft the guy in round two, for instance wait for him to kind of develop into a starting caliber receiver and not have to pressure him into that right away. Like that that's to me maybe their best case scenario receiver is if, adding Robbie Anderson and then having a second round receiver behind him. If you see Anderson as a bridge quote unquote receiver, wouldn't someone like Emmanuel Sanders make a lot of sense? He would maybe even make more sense for that. Um, I don't think he's as good as Anderson at this point in his career for what the Bills are looking for, but he definitely fits that mold too. Exactly. And that probably works better contract-wise because he's 32. Right. Like To me, Anderson is going to command enough money and enough term where the idea of being a – what was the term you used? I'm sorry. Like a number one receiver? No, uh, being – Oh, a bridge receiver. A bridge receiver. My bad. Yeah. it doesn't really make sense for him just because I think he's going to actually be pretty highly sought after. I don't think he'll have to right. sign a quote-unquote bridge deal. Someone sure. like Sanders may have to because he's, I believe, 32, 33 years old. 32, yeah. Right, so Sanders makes sense to me. I don't think, again, I don't think that gives you, you know, that game-breaker that Bills fans have been clamoring for. But I think you're right in a lot of ways. Those kind of players don't just fall off of trees or the Bills mm-hmm. would have one, right? Like, right. So a guy like Sanders is another guy that defenses have to worry about. Does it open up space for Brown? Does it open up space for Beasley? And if so, is that enough to convince you that the passing attack will be better this year? I think, I think he would do enough for me in that regard. Like, he's good. He's not amazing. He's not great. A.J. Green would do a lot more for me in this regard. But um, obviously a much higher price tag because he's been tagged. Yeah, and you have to trade for him. Right. So that's a whole nother different idea. I'm starting to fall in love with the idea of trading for A.J. Green more and more. Um, but Sanders, to me, is more realistic to what they might actually do. Like yeah. That would be something I could see them doing. A.J. Green, I'd love to see them do it. 
I wouldn't guess the Bills are going to go get A.J. Green, though. We talked about this a little bit uh, earlier this yeah, afternoon. And wh- I guess I'm kind of, uh, I don't want to say lost, but I am very uncertain of how I see this offseason playing out. Are they going to go for multiple second-tier guys, kind of like they did last year? Or, you know, we've heard Brandon Bean say they're not one piece away. Mm-hmm. But are they close? Do they think they're close enough that a big price guy, and I know, you know, Amari Cooper made his comments or whatever, but just for the sake of this argument, say they want to go out and sign an Amari Cooper and what, think that's the piece. What if Cooper piece. said he'd come here for $20 million? I mean, I think that's what he's going to command anyway, right? Okay, maybe I should have picked a different, a bigger number then. Like, what's a crazy number for him? Like an 25, astronomical 25 number. He's yeah, probably okay, getting there. What if he said he'd come to the Bills for $25 million? Uh Over how long and how much guaranteed? For five years and like I don't know, seventy-five million guaranteed. I, that, that I'd be excited. I don't I'd know. I'd be excited too. I don't they know could afford it, but it's definitely irresponsible. It, it, yeah, like yeah. The emotional part of me would be like, oh my gosh, the Bills just got Amari Cooper. But the logical side of me, like, ugh, that's gonna, right. that's going to ter- be a tough pill to swallow, likely. And so, right, the immediate gratification of that kind of deal sure. I think would be fun. It would be fun for sure, and maybe it pans out in a big way. You know, if Amari Cooper turns about out to be the piece that you're missing and the Bills go on to win a playoff game or two uh, with a pretty good offense, a good passing attack, yeah. then, you know, what makes it worth it for you? You're, Does you're, two really good years of Amari Cooper and a good offense make it worth it for you for what will probably turn into an albatross contract at some point yeah yeah i'm not advocating they do that i think your question is better because i think that's something they'll actually do like if they got emmanuel sanders is that going to excite people to think that their offense is suddenly like complete because it will feel like they have all the holes shored up like last year they could not find that third receiver like to play consistently. Like Brown and Beasley played all the time. They started the year with Zay Jones as the other starting receiver. They eventually got to Duke Williams trying it for a little bit. Then he was inactive. Then they tried Isaiah McKenzie doing it. Right. Then they ended up back at Duke Williams doing it. Like and they, Foster they couldn't figure just it out. for some reason Foster, did not pan out last right, year, they, which I I couldn't believe. I thought neither. Foster was on his way to having a hell of a season. So, right. So Sanders fills that gap, but he's not a game breaker. So like what, that, yeah. I, that I don't. I don't know. I think it would help me to think that they're going to be better than they were last year on offense, and that they'll even be above average. Because I think the, what's limiting this team right now is they were not an above average offense last season. That you need to at least be that. And I think I would get closer to that if you told me, hey, I got Emmanuel Sanders now. I got another year of Dawson Knox developing, and maybe I add something else in the offensive line. I don't know. Like I think I'm getting closer. I almost viewed. For a while, I almost viewed Dawson Knox as kind of that third weapon in the passing game. He really was a lot of times. Like they lined him up out wide a lot last season. Yeah, what I'm getting at. If you can get Emmanuel Sanders, I think that's a that's a good starting point. It's not where we want to end up as far as landing a big time receiver. But remember where we started here was you would supplement him with like a second round rookie. Yeah. I'm more there, by the way. I'm not. I'm not thinking about the first round receiver as much anymore. I like. I would be excited if they did it, and I would be. I would be impressed that they would invest an asset like that, but in in the offense like that because they really haven't done it other than Allen so far. All their first round picks have been defense other than Allen. But it sounds more and more like the smarter idea, which I think is where you should want to end up, 
is weight on receiver because it's so deep. What's the difference between drafting LaVishka Chano in the second round or there was a name of a guy I'm thinking Denzel of. Mims yeah, from or Baylor? Yeah, the TCU guy. Jalen Rager? Of, yeah, like what if I can get him 20 picks later? Okay, like, then to me maybe like I get it and I understand sure. it. And, and this, is why, like, this is why the draft is so interesting because if – if one of the big three receivers is there, I think the Bills have to make a move on it. And by the big three receivers, I mean C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy, right? Mm-hmm. That would take a drop. That would take a significant drop because I think most uh, mocks, most experts are pointing to those guys being gone within the first 15 or so picks, or so, give or take two or three picks. Certainly, and the other problem is Philadelphia has a big need at receiver, and they're one pick ahead of the Bills, right? So they would need, in order to land one of these guys, I think one of the three receivers would need to drop significantly, and the Bills would have to jump over Philadelphia in order to get one. Because if, if Henry Ruggs is there at 21, I cannot, I cannot see Philadelphia passing on him, right? They need a receiver. Yeah. So You'd have to jump in front. And now front. you get to the point where you're talking about where it's like, all right, well— there is I'm I'm trying to think what are some of the you know uh like Chenault at this point I think is probably a late first early second round prospect he didn't mm-hmm. have a great combine uh Denzel Mims they've been talking about him getting into the first round that'll be interesting he had a heck of a combine but you're right there are a ton of big time receivers Justin Jefferson Justin yeah Jeff, Justin T. Jefferson Higgins could T fall, Higgins Van Jefferson Donovan Peoples Jones like right, so but I'm looking those at draft go- network right, right now they have like they have like six receivers ranked in like the second round area sure and you know Justin Jefferson I've seen mocks with him going to the Bills mm-hmm. you know maybe I don't know. It's interesting, but I think you're right in a lot of ways that the receiver class is so good this year. Is there a big difference if they see, let's just say, an offensive tackle that they really like, or just an offensive lineman in general, or a defensive end that they like? The difference in talent in this year's class is significantly wider. Yeah. From a first to a second round lineman and a first to a second round pass rusher than it is at receiver. Yeah. If that's the case, then I think you got to go with one of the the bigger you know the offensive linemen or uh an end i don't you know i don't sure. know how you feel about like a guy like aj Epinesu who had a terrible uh combine yeah. for what he was expected um but you know like someone like him maybe i don't know it'll be interesting because the wider but at the same time maybe teams think the same way as we're thinking right now and say you know what i don't need jerry judy right now sure i'm gonna go yeah. with uh, Makai Becton, because Mackay, the difference in talent between Makai Becton as an offensive tackle is so much bigger, and maybe there's not a run on receivers like we see because all of them think that you could get one later. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at the Draft Network receiver rankings right now. They've got C.D. Lamb 7th, Jerry Judy 10th, Henry Ruggs 12th. The next receiver is LaVisca Cheneau at 30, but between him and 55, so between 30 and 55, the Draft Network has eight wide receivers ranked in that, that yeah. range. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty deep. 803-0550 is the phone number. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney looking for your calls at 803-0550 on WGR. 
Yeah, it's a tough situation, right? It's a tie game late, and I don't know. I think if you challenge it and you don't get it, we're in the box, right? So you don't want to give them an opportunity on the power play, so it's a tough time to take a challenge, but who knows what goal interference is these days. So it would have been nice to win it there in regulation, but you know we made it a little harder on ourselves, but at the end of the day, we win, so it feels good. Sabres captain Jack Eichel following last night's win over the Washington Capitals. First time I've seen Alex Ovechkin up close and personal. Was it everything you thought it would be? I mean, that goal, man. That was pretty was amazing. Filthy. Yeah. Like, holy cow. I think that. I mentioned this earlier about something else. I don't remember what it was. But sometimes if someone is so good at one thing that you don't really give them credit for being good at other things. Sure. And I think Ovechkin, like, that was on display for me last night. Like, you don't ever think about Elks Ovechkin in terms of his hands. Right. And, like, his stick handling ability. Dude, he's even, even a speed. phenomenal passer. Yeah. And last night, like, you saw it. Like, and, and even on that goal, you saw it. The toe drag around, I think it was Montour. Oposo? Maybe it was Oposo. I, did, I don't remember. Yeah, whatever, whichever get one in, was standing still. Yeah, to yeah. Get, right, exactly. To get, It could have been any of them. To get into the slot and then rip it. Like, to get to the spot where he needed to get to to use his shot was just amazing talent on display by Ovechkin. So, yeah, it was, he was definitely definitely worth uh, going to see him up close and personal. Um, Last time I saw him personally was it would have been the uh, President's Trophy year. Is this when he ran Danny Breer? Yes. So oh. every time he touched the puck, he was getting booed. Right, right. At, it was Very... the next game. The next game, because that happened in Washington, I think. It did when he hit Breer. Yeah, so, so it, it was the, next, the game. next game in Buffalo, and yeah, every so very different opinion of oh, yeah. Alex Ovechkin in his in the later part of his career than the early part, especially for Buffalo fans. Are you looking behind in the standings at all? Are you thinking about it at all? Like what's behind I'm not the really. Sabres? I'm honestly, I'm at the point where wherever they are, they are. I've I've been doing some of those. Uh, Draft lottery Tankathon? simulations. Oh, those are fun. I have it open right now. It took actually. me the 14th try to get them to uh, first overall about two days ago. So okay, there you go. They they I mean realistically, man, like they can fall, and this is amazing because it's not like last last year where they were first place at the end of November, but they were first place after like three four weeks of the season in the league. They could end up still finishing second worst in the league. They could finish 30th, and it's not likely. They, they would need a lot of teams to pass them, Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., and Ottawa. But Ottawa and L.A. are six points back of you, so again, that's that's kind of a lot. But it could happen. L.A.'s won six in a row. Ottawa's won two in a row. Um, you're only three points up on Anaheim. You're five points up on San Jose. So they could fall. They could really fall. Yeah. And to me, like that just adds to it. Like If you're picking in the top three, and hell, even if you're picking first, and there's not a huge difference between where they are now and – like even if they were to get second last. Right now they have a 7.5% chance at first, 23.3% chance at top three. If you finish second from the bottom, you have a 13.5% chance of first and 38.8% chance of top three. So, hey, you double your odds. Right, you double your odds if you do that. But, man, like I, I'm starting to think more and more, like what will, help, what will get a GM and a coach? If that ends up happening this offseason and they need some respectable, reputable guys to come in here, and you got to convince them to come here. Like that's just another feather in your cap if you're picking in the top three. If you're slotted second and you're going to get Quentin Byfield, who like I know we got Middlestat and Cousins in the system, but that is probably twice as good a center prospect as those guys might be. Or Lafreniere. Or Lafreniere. Like, exactly. Can you imagine if that was the plan all along. That's all I'm thinking about right now. I don't. I'm starting to think <laughs> I don't think this GM is going to make it. No, so the, the at, plan at that rate, I don't care what Bottrell's they do. Plan. I don't care if they win the rest of the season. I don't. Yeah. 
I needed Omar to win last night because I'm in a fantasy playoff and I was playing against Holtby. But, you know, other than that, I'm thinking about what's behind them. And we're late to a break. So we're going to hit that. 803-0550 is the number. If you want to get your call on the other side, we're going to hear from Bill Barnwell in the second hour, our interview of the day with One Bills Live earlier. And we'll get a little hockey sprinkled in maybe a little bit later. Uh, we'll revisit it as well. So the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney also hanging out here on WGR. It's the Nightcap. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Isn't that just like the best rap you've ever heard in your life? It's up there. That's Don Cherry from his Rock'em Sock'em series. No longer on the air, Don Cherry. Some stuff happened earlier in the year. Not great. Nope. Um, we got a couple of games going on right now that I'm keeping an eye on. I'm in the midst of fantasy hockey playoffs. Which, this is, this is big. Like, this is big. It's my league. You got to win your own league, right? Like, you set it up. that I, You got to at least be good. So, I had Allmark last night going head-to-head with Braden Holpe, who my opponent had. So, that was maybe the biggest reason. Sadly, I was rooting for the Sabres in this game. Allmark, by the way, was tremendous. And I actually wanted to stick with hockey here because I'm thinking about Allmark and, like, what kind of contract he gets for next season. So he's an RFA at the end of the year. I'd expect him to be back. I hope that the goalie combination is not, again, Olmark and Hutton. I'm hoping it's Olmark and somebody else, and that they just find somewhere for Hutton to play, whether it be the AHL or whether they waive him uh, or trade him to somebody and they just take the salary for you and maybe retain half and he can be the backup. I like Olmark, though. Maybe it's been overstated how good he's been because the difference between him and Hutton and Johansson has been significant. He's been good. He's been just a tick above average. His save percentage has been a tick above what the average is in the league this year. His quality start percentage, I think, is 54.5%. Um, when the league average is 53%. Yeah, 54.5% uh, is his quality start rate. 53 is average. So he's been a little bit better. But where are we in terms of him as the starter? Like, I, I'm not thinking about that as much. That's something, though, also, like, the idea of them adding a big-name goalie or, like, a legitimately good goalie. I don't need it to be Braden Holpe. By the way, kind of – you saw it last night? Yeah. Like, I know Olsen's got an amazing shot, but I think if I'm paying the, a goalie Holpe when I'm paying Holpe – regressed pretty significantly. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think they should be starting Samson off game one of the playoffs. They're probably going to have to play Pittsburgh at this rate, by the way, the way Philly's playing. So I'd start Samson off if I were them. But I don't want the Sabres to go near a Holpe. But – what do we think about the idea of them like adding like a significant upgrade in net? Because that's one thing they haven't really tried. Like I guess you could call trading a first for Leonard that, but even Leonard at the time was like twenty three years old. Like you were getting a young netminder. Like what if they went and got Jacob Markstrom? Like would we be mad if they went and paid five million a year for Jacob Markstrom? 
Because I don't know if that's smart on your cap. In fact, I think we know it's not. But I'm so desperate for like a good season. I'm so desperate for them to have a goalie that can bail them out more often than even Allmark does. That like I I don't think I'd be upset if they went in through you know thir- I don't know five million dollar a year contract for four years at a guy even like Jacob Markstrom. It really shows how underappreciated Ryan Miller was in his time here. Yeah, it, it was almost like and he, the other thing is that you went from Dominic Hashik. There's a couple year holdover really between Hashik ending well, and you Miller had, starting. But you had Marty who was you had Marty good who too. was good, and then you had the lockout, so you missed a year there. But then Miller just took over and became an all star goalie. So for the longest time, Sabres fans really didn't know what it's like to have a bad goaltender and even when Tim Murray was trying to tank the goalies he acquired played well how amazing was that it was one of those things where I couldn't fathom being a younger Sabres fan what it was like to have a bad goalie like you heard about the goaltending woes in Philadelphia and that being their Achilles heel for the longest time and I was always like how is that possible that you just don't have a good goalie I never understood it you just took it for granted and now that you see it in real life and how bad it can be, you you know, I do not want to say that, you know, having a healthy Allmark would have made that much of a difference in the stretch run for this team, but would it have? It, it could have. It, it would have gave them a shot. To me, Hutton in there, no chance at all. Like, they lost that game in Ottawa because of Carter Hutton. Like, he allowed, they allowed six goals. Four of them should have been stopped. So... He had some moments. He hasn't... It's not been all Carter Hutton's fault. Right. But... That guy could not bail them out when they needed him to, and I am to I'm I'm done thinking he can be on this team. We, he's proven this year that if Allmark goes down with an injury, he cannot keep you above water. Right, he can't. And we know Johansson's not ready to do it yet. We know Lukanen's not ready to do it yet. He's having trouble even sticking in the AHL. He's still recovering from hip surgery, so I'd give him a bit of a pass. Um, plus, he's only like 20 still. Yeah. But like they need to have another option for next year. I'm okay with Allmark being here. I'm okay with Allmark even playing like you know 30, 40 games. But I'm okay with I'm okay with who Allmark being with? the the starter. Like so, he's been an above average goaltender. That's all you need. So what what do you what do you think you, they'll do versus need, what do you want them to do? What you need is a backup goaltender who is better than Carter Hutton. That's what you need. I don't you don't need to get that much better than Allmark. I think you're okay with Allmark if he's the the starter going into the season. I think you're okay with that. I mean, sure, you can upgrade, but if it's at the expense of cap, which I think we've all seen is not the correct way to build a team from the net out. Yeah, definitely not. So, you know, I'm okay with a, a slightly above average goaltender. Slightly above average is slightly above average. Like, that's good. I think you're doing good in that position. What you need is a significant backup Goaltender or a significant upgrade like a, a, to the backup. A one A one B split. Like like I think that's what they tried to do by bringing Hutton in. He just hasn't really performed. So maybe you try to do that again because that's what I think of Allmark. I, I think if Allmark has to start sixty games for you, I don't think you're doing. I think you could do better than that. But I also think he's better than the average backup in the league. So oh, what, without question. So what do I do there? To me, you give him a contract. Allmark's contract's interesting in its own right because this is really the first year that he's been he's played consistently and played as consistent as he's been on the ice. So I don't know, three year, two, three year deal. He's he's a weird one too. You might think, oh, he's a bridge contract, right? He's not really that young. Like, he's gonna be twenty seven. Right. So he might be looking for what, a three year deal? 
Three years, three million bucks per is the the number I keep thinking for Elmark. I have no idea if that's anywhere near what he'll actually get. Um, but it sounds reasonable. Goalies are weird. But at the same time, I'm so done in hockey with the holdover line of thinking because you just do not know what these prospects are going to be. Right? Right. I don't want to like, wait for Luke. I'm not, I'm not giving three years to Allmark to hold over while sure. Lukanen gets seasoned well, in the A. Like, I think if you're, you're giving three years to Allmark because you're not even really completely convinced on what he really is yet, right? Like, I'm not giving it to him, which is a scary thought, by the way, because we don't know what Lukanen's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, are we going... Are we going to see the Sabres be like the Flyers were for the longest time in this kind of perpetual yeah. trying to find their goaltender? I, I hope not. You know, you hope Lukanen can end up being the long-term guy. But, you know, three years is about what I would – because you need, you need a goaltender for next year. Lukanen's not going to be it. But I don't want to pay someone, like you were saying, $5 million a year to do it unless unless you're convinced that – they have enough cap room to make it work for a long time coming. That's where it's interesting. I think they do. You're gonna but have to it pay doesn't, That also doesn't mean you should do it. You're gonna have to pay Darlene. You're not gonna have to pay Middlestat. Uh, <laughs> you'll you'll have to pay Olafson something. That's probably gonna be a bridge type deal. Um, you're gonna have to play. You have to pay Montour. You don't have to do that. I don't even know who's gonna be making the call on that. Could be Bottrell. Um, but you're going to have to pay Montour, and you got to pay Allmark. So how much do you want to invest in the net? Right now, well, I, I gave them a lot of credit last year for the way they set it up in net. They're only committing $4 million, a tick over $4 million, for their goaltending situation. That's where you want to be. Like You want to have a guy in his rookie deal, and you want to have a cheap supplement. I think that's where you want to be. But at a certain point, are you just getting what you're, what you're paying for? Exactly. So what next year, do I want to be investing... Seven million in that? Do I want to be investing eight? Because if I'm giving Allmark three, then what am I setting the limit for on the other one? I'm starting to talk myself into the idea of Jacob Markstrom. Like I really am. He is probably to me, he'd be the number one guy for me on the market. I think that Holpe will get the biggest contract, um, and that's why I would not have him number one. I honestly think Markstrom though is better at this point than Holpe. He, like he's been better the last three years. If you combine, if you compile. Their numbers in the last three years. Markstrom's been a better goaltender. I think Holtby's season this year has kind of tanked that. Like it's not like Holtby's been bad for three years. It's really only been this season. Are you sure that but, he's only going to cost somewhere in the ballpark of five million per year? I'm not. And, and three point. He's thing, a, his contract. His contract now is three point six million per. Uh, year. Another thing, just to keep in mind, is that the salary cap will keep, continue to go up, and it's expected to go up pretty significantly this offseason, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain point, you have to stop thinking about contracts as they once were, right? Like, sure. So- sure. Soon it's going to be like $2 million bucks is not is nothing, you know? Absolutely through- nothing. And yeah. so we're getting to the point where as the salary cap increases, we can start to see some of these larger contracts to goalies that at one time were eye-popping, but yep. now are pretty low in terms of percentage of the salary cap that you're using. So it's another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, what was a five to six to seven million dollar contract for a goaltender this offseason is not what it was three, four, sure. five years ago because the cap just continues to go up. Other guys, by the way, that are free agents, I know I've mentioned mostly Holpe and Markstrom here. I mean, you've got Corey Crawford, who's going to be coming up for a new deal. I don't know that Chicago keeps him. 
I would I would prefer Markstrom. He's thirty five. Crawford will be Omar. a lot cheaper though. Crawford will be cheaper to me, and you'll get him on a shorter deal with him only being thirty five years old. Um, now he's also got concussion issues too, so there's more going on there. Mike Smith is a free agent. He's older, thirty eight. Robin Leonard's a free agent. That's funny. Um, there, I mean, Leonard might be uh, a guy the best line, guy on the market. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Why? He's not coming back here. Yeah, I, that's kind of. Um, Marks, I'm, okay, I'm I'd be okay with giving someone like Markstrom a deal, but I'm also you, you, okay with going yeah. into the season with Allmark as your one A and, and you know, finding a, a better B supplement. Guy, you know who I think that would be if they do that, and I'm not convinced they move on from Hutton. I think that should be a no brainer, but. Bogosian moving out from him was a no-brainer. Oh, I thought you were going to say Bogosian would be a good goaltender. Oh, no. I mean, he might be a better goaltender than he's a defenseman, honestly. <laughs> but Bogosian was a no-brainer to not have him on the team. Yes. He was on the team. And it took a long time right. for that to come to fruition. Sabatka was a no-brainer to not have on the team. He was on the second line. Still blows my mind. It still blows my mind that Vladimir Sabatka spent a month and a half hey, on this team's second line. You I can't, can't believe it. You can't argue with the results, though. They were winning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thomas Grice okay. is a, like that. I could totally see. Like that's what they do, right? Like that's what they do if they move on from Hutton. Thomas Grice, I would assume, because I mean, you're not letting Almar go, right? Like I, I don't know. Well, like, I mean, it'd be a big risk to then, just kind of like let it happen, right? You you know, the only way you let Almar go is if you're dishing out a giant Holpe contract. Ugh. I think that's the only way. I hate that idea. That's what. That's the only way you do that, though, right? Because if you're paying Holpe, I don't know what he gets. I just, he's a weird one because he's at six point one million already, and we just saw Bobrovsky get a ten million dollar a year contract. Problem is Holpe has stunk this year. So what do you do with that? And he's thirty one, so the age actually kind of works if you want to give him like a six year contract. I don't know what the money looks like there, but let's say the Sabers wanted to set the market at goaltender this off season, and they want to give Holpe seven million dollars a year again. Not advocating they do that. I think that's a bad idea. But if they wanted to do that, you're not keeping Allmark. Because I if you're if you'd if be devoting you'd be devoting 10 like ten million, million dollars in the goal. Yeah. And that is nuts. And not and not really have a superstar. Right? right. It's, it's right. One and you thing, still might not be good <laughs> in the position. Um right. right. So I am I can't possibly begin to describe to you how against the Holpe idea. Setting the market for a goaltender in free agency. You like, mentioned it earlier, the man. They possibly... they miss Miller. Like they've not replaced that. They... Miller's a free agent, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they they do miss a goalie who can steal games, or not even maybe not even steal games, not lose games. Sure, that's not the right way lose to put it, games yeah. compared to the league average, right? If that's what you're looking for, you don't need to set the market. You can find alternative ways of doing that, and really, when you, to me, there's not a correlation between how good your goaltender is throughout his career and the number of Stanley Cups that team has won, at least in this era, right? You, you need a hot goaltender to win a Stanley Cup, I think, right? You, you need mm-hmm. a guy like uh, Tim Thomas and the incredible run he went on, but like Henrik Lundqvist has not won a cup. Right, and yep. he came somewhat close. They got to the cup finals, but really were kind of blown out of the water by the Kings. It's not like they were close to beating the Kings. You know, Ryan yep. Miller, We the, the Sabres never made it to the cup finals with Miller. Now, you could argue that they 
were the best team in hockey. That's fine. But they were the best team in hockey for a lot of other reasons other than just goaltending. Oh, sure. You know, I think we are well beyond the days of building a team from the net out. And if the Sabres do that with a guy who's really not playing well, (laughs) well, it just does not... Like, I would be... I'm way against that. I would much rather just bring in Allmark again to be your starter. I would rather pay Allmark three to three and a half million a year, whatever he's going to command. I don't even know what he's going to command to play yeah, 55 games a year than to bring Braden Holpe in on a big contract. What would you do if you're Holpe? If I'm Holpe, like, what would I want to do? I, I think I'd want to sign a one-year deal somewhere. I disagree. I think you're 31 it? years old, and I think you take the money and run. Man, though, he cost himself a big chunk of change with the season he's having. But like, you, he, I mean, again, even he was, you're saying like he was pretty good before last year. Eight million-ish for Holpe. Like, I, I, that whatever what if team he, decides to do that, I feel bad for, and I just hope that it's not the Sabers. What if no one will give him more than five million, five or six million, for how many years? Like four. Five. I'd take it if I was him. See, at that point, I'm like, I might take a one-year deal and see if I can get somewhere. But what if you can't and you regress even more? And that, that's, yeah. you know, athletes make that decision all the time. That's all, you know, we saw Richard Sherman bet on himself, you know, yeah. taking a one-year. And sometimes it works and it's sometimes rare, it doesn't. Like, you know, if you're a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 and regressing in play substantially, it's not even like it's close to what the Braden Holtby of old was. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't speak for him and what he wants, obviously. But if I were him, I'm taking the security. And if you're going to give me $5 million a year for the next four years, I'm looking at $20 million. If I can get that, you know, somewhere where there's a lower state income tax, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about anything for the rest of your life. And honestly, your kids won't either. Sure. So it's like, that's kind of what I'm looking at. But obviously, if if he thinks there's more in the tank, he wants to risk it. All the power to you. I would never fault an athlete for anything that they do because it's their life. I, I kind of – the only part of him that interests me is that it seems like a buy-low idea. But the way free agency works probably doesn't come to fruition that way. Someone will – Edmonton. Like I keep thinking about Edmonton for that. Edmonton will be like, I don't care if you had a bad year last year. Look what we did the previous six years. I'm going to go give him eight. And then I'm like, new no, thanks. You can have them. You can have all the Breen Holpe you want for that Edmonton if you want. Like a team like that. The it team doesn't who have signs to be Edmonton, him but. deserves what they get. Right, and whether that's good or bad, if you bet on him because of the six previous years, then good for you. You got mm-hmm. a, a top of the line goaltender. But if you sign him at that price, seeing signs of his regression, you deserve that too. I would just much rather not take the risk on that because Same. I yeah. don't think that the reward really outweighs the risk at this point of his career. If this is three years ago and he's what twenty eight, then yep, I take a longer look at it. But he's already 31. Yeah. He'll be, he's 30, but he'll be 31. 30, okay, right. he'll, be, no, he'll be 31 by um, by the start of next season. So Yeah. yeah. So uh, to me, like, if those are the options, you roll with Allmark as your starter. Or at least and go find to. a Thomas Grice type as yeah, your, you, as your you supplement. You find something better yep. than Hutton that's closer to the league average. And I think that's probably... Uh, probably where they end up all right we're gonna switch to football when we return our interview of the day bill barnwell one of our favorites from espn visited with one bills live earlier today that is on the way next here on the nightcap with joe dibiase here on wgr welcome back to the nightcap with joe dibiase here on wgr be sure to follow me on twitter at sneaky joe wgr you can follow brendan on twitter by the way at brendan keeney let's now get to our interview of the day 
Bill Barnwell of ESPN visiting with One Bills Live earlier today. One of our favorites. Here he is with Murph and Tasker. A lot of business and uh, free agency issues to discuss with our next guest. He is an ESPN senior writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast, contributor to ESPN Sports Center. Happy to have our old buddy Bill Barnwell on the line with us. Hello, Bill. John Murphy and Steve Tasker up here in Buffalo. Thanks for coming on. Guys, it's always a pleasure to hop on the John Murphy Show. <laughs> what, yeah, the <laughs> remnants of the John Murphy Show. Hey, question for you. We're getting set for free agency, and I think most Bills fans feel as if the franchise, no matter what they do, is in pretty good hands with uh, mm-hmm. Sean McDermott getting into his fourth year. Brandon Bean will get ready for his third draft. Um, those two have overall done a pretty good job and won league-wide acclaim for it. Do you agree? Of course. Uh, you know, how can you argue, right? This is an organization that's turned over pretty much their entire roster from, from before they had got there. So few players left. I think Shaq Lawson was one of the few guys left, and he might even be leaving this offseason as well. So, uh, you know, could be an entirely turned over 53-man roster. And how many of their decisions have gone right, you know? I mean, you can count on one hand the ones that have gone wrong. Maybe Vontae Davis is one of the rare exceptions, but they've earned the benefit of the doubt with their free agent signings, with their draft picks. They've gotten so many things right over the past couple of years. One of the amazing parts is they went to the playoffs two out of those three years while trying to rebuild it from the ground up, and mm-hmm. with a 6-10 and ten season in the middle of it, uh, certainly they've got a reputation as well on the coaching side of it and the McDermott side of it to get the most out of whoever's in the building. That's the thing, right? You think about the players they've brought in, veterans from other teams, Jordan Phillips seems like the most obvious example, but guys who either were good in another place and they've been – uh, really good in Buffalo, or guys who were kind of just there, who were mediocre, who were struggling elsewhere, who have come to Buffalo and turned into viable, productive players. Even the guys who were there before uh, before McDermott and Bean got there have improved. Lawson being a good example of how he played in 2019. So I think just up and down this roster, if you're a player who you know might not have considered Buffalo five years ago, well, now you're looking at this roster and saying, hey, I can get the most out of my talent. I can play for a competitive football team. You know, the Patriots are not the same as they were maybe a few years ago, especially if they lose Tom Brady. So this could be a really exciting organization to come play for. One more question about uh, McDermott and Bean as we continue to pat ourselves on the back here, Bill. <laughs> what have they done? What difference has they made? Why has it gone so well in their first few years here with the Bills? Well, I think there's a real culture developing there. I mean, I think they have a really strong sense of what kind of players they want to add. Um, they really targeted that sort of middle-tier of free agency. They haven't really gone for those top-level guys. I mean, the sort of aborted trade for Antonio Brown might be the rare exception. The star low to Lele deal was you know, pretty expensive for a defensive tackle, but otherwise it's been a lot of those guys in the middle range where I think they've kind of figured, okay, it's better to have a team of, of useful, productive, versatile players as opposed to having, you know, a bunch of stars and a bunch of scrubs. And uh, scrubs is harsh, but, you know, a bunch of stars and a bunch of, you know, undrafted free agents or guys who you're hoping you're going to develop as opposed to having a, a, a team full of players who know what they're doing and who are deep and competitive. And so uh, that's a philosophy we've seen work elsewhere, New England being perhaps the most notable example. So uh, I think you're just seeing a philosophy that, you know, makes a lot of sense and it's paid off, like you said, to playoff runs now in the first three seasons. One of the other philosophies they've done is get these guys in, veteran guys in, on one-year prove-it deals uh, the mm-hmm. way they did Josh Norman just yesterday when it was reported. You know, they got him on a one-year deal. They've done yep. that a lot. Uh, and I guess guys are smart enough to know, listen, they can come in and play for one year in any situation, but if they come in here, they get a good buck to come in and prove it and maybe hit one more home run. Uh, certainly guys like uh, Jordan Phillips are prime examples they had him for a year and a half season and a half 
and he has really set himself up to have a payday. This one-year deal, prove-it deal, seems to be a philosophy that the Bills exploit maybe better than anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Quinton Spain being another example where he looked good last year in the offensive line and might get a multi-year deal now in free agency. Jordan, Jordan Phillips, Phillips also, Bill. Yep. Jordan Phillips. Yep, Jordan Phillips was in for that year, and then he signed a one-year contract last year to come back and, you know, kind of emerged as a starter, had that, you know, double digit sacks, a huge year for him. He's going to get paid by somebody, whether the Bills are elsewhere, in free agency. So I think you're seeing that work for guys, and there are exceptions. Like I said, the Vontae Davis deal obviously didn't work out, but that may have been, you know, issues unrelated to, you know, uh, his talent level or how they might have coached him. It was obviously a, a short stay in Buffalo. But uh, with Josh Norman, I mean, a guy who was unplayable, who was really bad last year, uh, by the second half, I got benched for most of the second half of the season. It was only really an injury fill-in uh, for Washington. Now, would I be thrilled about that one-year, $6 million deal if he went elsewhere? Not especially, if I'm honest with you. But in Buffalo, I have a, I have a lot more faith they're going to get a useful cornerback than I would for just about any other team in football. We're with Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer. One of your more recent posts, Bill, and it's taken a while to get them all up, but you've had your five predicted moves for each NFL teams. You've gone through all 32. For the Bills, you say that uh, I guess your number one is to uh, extend the uh, exercise, rather, the fifth-year option on Tredavious White. What do you see there? Why is that so critical for Buffalo? I mean, if he's not the best cornerback in football, if you want to say Stephon Gilmore is the best cornerback in football, Tredavious White, to me, is number two and not far off from number one. You know, obviously, you want him around for the long term. You're going to give him a big contract. Just a question of when. So exercising that fifth-year option gives you a little bit more leverage. You now have two years of cost control before free agency. So you can go to Stavius White this offseason and say, hey, we're going to pay you, whether it's this year or next year. Just a question of do you want to get paid now and maybe make a little less because we have you you know, at a relatively friendly rate for the next two years? Or do you want to play it year by year, wait until we get to that fourth year or that fifth year, and then you'll get – you know, the record-setting cornerback contract or something close to it because, uh, you know, this is the guy who I think, uh, you know, embodies what you want from a Bills player, right? You know, he's smart, he's talented, he's versatile, he'll do anything you want him to do. Uh, I think just a phenomenal football player, and I think someone who the Bills are going to reward and say, hey, this is what you can do if we draft you and you play hard. You can become, you know, one of the best players in your position and one of the highest-paid players at your position as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it just seems a question of when and not if and mm-hmm. how what the number will be is set by the market for Tredavious White. One of the other things you've said that the Bills need to do is is more offensive line. Certainly, they revamped it entirely from seventeen to, or from eighteen to nineteen, and well yeah. and well deserved. Um, but going forward, you already mentioned Quentin Spain, who had a one year prove it deal, probably will or will not be here. How hard do they have to go? Uh, and what kind of positions are we talking about for your vision of what the Bills' offensive line should step up to? Yeah, I think it depends on what you think you want to do with Cody Ford, who. Yeah, I think some people expected before the draft was going to be eventually a guard at the NFL level. Um, we saw him at tackle last year, splitting time with Ty Secchi. Uh, obviously, you know, played like a rookie, some nice moments, some struggling moments as well, I think it's fair to say. And you don't want to give up on Cody Ford. I'm not saying that you should replace him at all. But what I'm saying is, if you think, hey, we have a shot to add a tackle in the first round or the second round, or there's someone in free agency we really like who we're willing to pay you know, a premium for, like a Jack Conklin, for example, hey, you can move Cody Ford inside try him at guard, and now you have your tackle situation set with this new guy on the right side and then Deion Dawkins on the left side. On the other hand, if you think Cody Ford is a tackle, which I think the Bills in the long run would like him to be their starting right tackle, well now, 
there's a lot of guards out there on the free agent markets. Maybe you look at a guard like a Joe Thune or, or, or someone like that, and you're willing to pay a significant sum to bring a guy in at guard and sort of fortify what might be the weakest point of your line with Quinn and Spain leading. So the good thing is for the Bills, they have some depth, they have versatility, they have talent. You know, it's not like you have to go out and replace three, four guys the way they did last year. It's more yeah. just a question of do you want to bring back Spain? Do you want to go out and invest a, uh, you know, a lot in one guy? Or do you want to make the sort of signing where you sign a guy or two and have depth and, you know, sort of have a competition and see who wins? With Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior writer Bill Barnwell, who's written predicted five moves for each NFL team for the Super Bowl champions, Bill. Kansas City Chiefs, you think they will cut Sammy Watkins? Uh, and th- there was a line in there that you wrote. I mean, the money would kind of mitigate that. I mean, yeah, of course, they, they don't want to pay $21 million or get a $21 million cap charge for Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. But I think you said in that article that after seven years, it's proven that Sammy Watkins is no better than a team's second wideout. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. You know, I just, at this point, we've seen him, right? We've seen those moments. I remember that game against the Vikings where he got that game-winning touchdown mm-hmm. for the Bills, and he kind of thought, okay, that'd be a big moment. That's going to be his moment to spur him forward, whether it's injuries, whether it's the knee, whether it's the foot. I mean, there's just been so many, you know, things here and there that have popped up for Sammy Watkins where we've seen him now. Like, it just hasn't happened at this point. I think he's obviously a valuable NFL player. You know, he can have those weeks where he's going to look dominant week one of the 2019 NFL season. In the playoffs, but he was very effective. Um, you know, had did a really good job. And he's going to be an NFL player. He's going to get, you know, a pretty sizable contract, maybe in the $10, $11 million per year range, I think. But, you know, I think he has the largest cap hit for any wide receiver in football at the moment, or, or pretty close to it. So, can't see him getting to that point. And I just... You know, it's always possible, you know, guys break out, you know, careers are always different for each player, but I think the preponderance of evidence at this point suggests, you know, at this point he's really probably a, a very talented number two guy, but probably a number two wide out of the NFL. Yeah, it's funny because that's exactly what the Bills, uh, that's exactly what mm-hmm. they not intended to do when they got him as a first round, mm-hmm. moved up in that draft in 2014 to get him. That's, I'm sure they thought it'd be a number one, probably game-breaking uh, all pro, Pro Bowl wide receiver. He's not anything close to that, is he? That's tough. Yeah, it just hasn't worked out that way. And you know, I think that, that's why it's so tough to trade up in the draft because yeah. you know I, I think we ha- we always think we're we're smarter when it comes to evaluating players and evaluating prospects than we actually are. And I think when you look at what the the best teams, the dynasties of the NFL, the the early '90s Cowboys, the Patriots over the past 20 years. They do trade up occasionally, but overall, they trade down. They get extra picks. You get more lottery tickets, as you would say, to add talent to your roster. And I think overall, that's still going to be the best philosophy. And for the Bills, I do think it ended up hurting them when it came to trading up for Sammy Watkins. Again, a good player, but not someone who I think has been the impact player maybe Buffalo would have hoped a few years ago. i got to ask you about a couple of Buffalo Bills players that are coming up and have and really mm-hmm. proven to be kind of part of the rebuilding process. A surprise, not, one of them a surprise, one of them not. Deion Dawkins, left tackle, who has been uh, pretty solid in his career. He came in and really mm-hmm. started as a rookie and hasn't left. And then Matt Milano, who really has endeared himself to Bills fans with his ability to play in space and cover and just to be on the field in, in critical moments. Uh, you said one of the moves you'd like to see the Bills make is to start talking about getting those guys extended. What are we kind of talking about? What level of player are both those guys respectively? Yeah, with Dion, it's obviously a little bit tough because I do think, like you said, impressive in his rookie year kind of encouraged the Bills to move on from Cordy Glenn. Second year, not quite as impressive. Numbers weren't as, you know, a little bit as good on tape. Numbers weren't quite as good. But definitely a better year with more talent around him last season. So I do think it's going to be a point now where we're going to look at 
you know, resigning him and, and what, what, what the value might be. It's going to depend, I think, on, you know, this tackle market because there's going to be so many left tackles and so many tackle prospects in this year's draft. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to have a lot of teams who are locked in at left tackle. It's not going to be cheap. The D.J. Humphrey deals we just saw from Arizona uh, comes to mind as maybe sort of the framework for that sort of deal, and that's a, a pretty expensive contract for, uh, you know, D.J. Humphreys, who really is not as good as the end Dawkins. That was three years, almost $44 million. Milano, I mean, again, I brought up Stratheus White as an example of what you want the Bills, you know, if you're uh, a Bills draftee, this is who you want to see, this is what you want to become. Matt Milano is another classic example of that, just a guy who was a mid-round pick. You know, maybe you figure, okay, he might be a special teams guy, you might end up getting some snaps, but a guy who's an every-down linebacker, you know, one of the, the core players on this defense, they really have missed him during the times where he has not been available. And a guy who I think you have to keep just to say, okay, this is what – this is what we want from our players, right? You know, if you want, you want to bring in a, you know, you want to draft a guy like this in the middle rounds. You want to develop him into a starter. You have to pay him. And at this point, you know, it could be something similar to the four-year, fifty-four million dollar deal Shaq Thompson signed with the Panthers, which is a lot of money for Matt Milano. But again, I just think you know you have to reward the guys who have come through your system, who you developed into starters, and who have been a part of one of the league's best defenses. We'll wrap up Bill Barnwell's conversation with Murph and Tasker from earlier today, right after this, on the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We are projecting about 9.15 or so. We're going to kick things over for Niagara versus Marist in the first round of the tournament for Niagara. Until then... Let's continue on with Bill Barnwell, who joined Murphy Tasker earlier today on One Bills Live. Bill Barnwell from ESPN is on the line with us uh, uh, at the risk of alienating the rest of our listeners who don't like when we talk <laughs> about Tom Brady, Bill. Tell me about how important Brady is to kind of get things going in free agency next week. Uh, is, it, is it too simplistic to say that he's the first domino that has to fall before anybody else can make a decision about a free agent quarterback? John, you have no idea. It really is, you know, and at the combine, just talking to people, you know, agents, players, coaches, GMs, scouts, everyone's saying, hey, we got to figure out what Tom's doing, and then everything else is going to fall from there. So I think when we get to that legal tampering window, I think you're going to see the Brady deal happen, maybe on the 17th. And then I think you're going to see deal after deal after deal start for those quarterbacks, and then the players who are not quarterbacks are maybe going to follow. Of course, the, the big guys, the champion clownies of the world, they're going to get paid either way. Uh, it's not going to make a difference for them. But the Brady situation is, is going to determine what the Patriots do, and then uh, naturally a lot of other moves are going to follow. So um, the Patriots are the free agents, Calvin Noy, Jimmy Collins, guys like that come to mind. And then just, you know, what, what are guys willing to stand? What's the market going to be for those quarterbacks who are out there? Because they're going to take up a significant amount of cap space and if those teams can't get a Philip Rivers or a Teddy Bridgewater or a Brady, well, they might go out and say, hey, instead of getting a mediocre quarterback, let's stick with the guy we have and then take that $30 million and devote it to other spots on our roster. So uh, I mean, we don't even know what the salary cap's going to be yet, you know, right. given that we don't know what the new CBA is going to be yet. So everything is up in the air less than two weeks before free agency begins. Yeah, and i got to ask you, if, if it was a blind test – and you just stacked up these quarterbacks without names and numbers on their jerseys. Mm-hmm. How do you rank these guys in their availability? Certainly Tom Brady, uh, I mean, he's 42 uh, as opposed to Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater who's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got <laughs> Philip Rivers in that mix who's 38, and he's not even the only, you know, he's young, so, you know, comparatively <laughs> speaking. You've got right. Ryan Tannehill. You've got uh, 
uh, Andy Dalton on the trading block. You know, all these guys are out there available. How do you rank them uh, if you give us maybe your first three or four guys? Oh, man, it's a tough question, Stephen, because, you know, they, they all have their own flaws, right. right? Brady is in his mid-40s. Rivers is old and, and has the, you know, really struggled during the second half of the season behind terrible protection. Teddy played really well with the Saints, but they didn't really ask him to win games. He was sort of just, you know, the guy where you hold on to the football and protect it and let, you know, put the running game and the defense win the game and make a few plays here and there with a great coach and a, you know, a great receiving core. And then, um, you know, you get down the lineup. Andy Dalton hasn't played well in a few years. He really peaked that one season. Uh, Marcus Mariota hasn't been 100%. So to me, you know, I, I, I would go Brady number one just because I think, you know, he did play pretty well. There were very few weapons in New England. The line did struggle. I'd go Brady one. I'd probably go Bridgewater two. I'd go Rivers three. And then I think to me, I think there's a drop off to the rest of those guys. Your Jameis Winston's, your Marcus Mariota's. I think they're kind of in the second tier there. So, you know, I think it depends on what kind of offense you want to run, what weapons you have. You know, I think Rivers is a great fit for Tampa, where you want to stay in the pocket, chuck it downfield. You know, uh, no risk it, no biscuit offense with Bruce Arians. I think Rivers is a perfect fit for that offense. But Teddy Bridgewater might not be a great fit for that offense because he doesn't have necessarily that top-level arm strength. And then on the flip side, if you're the Patriots, and you have a great defense and you hope to run the football and you want to protect the football and not make any mistakes, well, Teddy Bridgewater might make a lot more sense than Philip Rivers. So uh, I really think it comes down to sort of the fit for these guys because they all have their own unique flaws and their own unique problems. Where do you think Brady winds up, Bill? I still think the Patriots. I'd rather go with the Patriots than anything else. I think it is less likely than ever before, and less likely than I thought a month ago. But I would say, you know, Patriots 50%, maybe the rest of the league 50%, so 50-50 split. But still think the Patriots are more likely than any other team. Are they going to give him more than a one-year deal, would you think? You have to. You have to because he has a leverage to go to Tennessee or go to Las Vegas, which is strange to say, or, mm-hmm. or go to the Chargers and say, hey, I want a five-year deal. I want three years of guaranteed money. And they're going to do it because, you know, for Tom Brady, you, you'll sell a billion Raiders jerseys. You'll sell a billion Chargers jerseys. You'll sell tickets to that Chargers stadium, which they desperately need. So they're going to be able to offer him a massive deal. And the Patriots, unfortunately, for them necessarily, they're going to have to match that. They don't have to maybe match the money, but you can't offer Tom Brady a one-year $25 million deal if he has – you know, three years and $105 million on the table from two other teams. Yeah. What do you think the Patriots do? Say Tom Brady's gone. You think mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater's the most likely, or do they try and trade for a more steady guy, like a, a more predictable guy like uh, like Andy Dalton, uh, plus I, all the I, wild I cards that. you mentioned with Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston? And, you know, is there any of that sentiment out there that the Patriots believe they can win with anybody, even if it's not Tom Brady? Yeah, I think it's tough. I think it depends on what's out there. I mean, if if Tom Brady signs with the Raiders, I could see the Patriots trading for Derek Carr. If he signed with the 49ers, I could absolutely see the Patriots trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I think it depends on who comes out there based on where Brady goes. If Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill uh, becomes a free agent because Tennessee signs Tom Brady, which I think is the most likely suitor if Tom Brady does leave. Well, the Patriots could very easily sign Ryan Tannehill. So I think it could be uh, you know, either the guy who is freed up by Brady signing elsewhere or I could see Bridgewater. He's a little small for what the Patriots typically look for in quarterbacks, but I think you know he's going to be a little cheaper maybe. Obviously, he's younger. That's an advantage for the Patriots. Uh, and who knows? Bill Belichick is a pretty creative guy. Give me something out of the box. They trade for someone we're not expecting. But for me, you know, I'm not a Patriots fan. I have no dog in this hunt besides... I want the most interesting story. And to me, you know, I think it'd be fascinating if Tom Brady did leave to see what Bill Belichick did scheme up without 
his uh, legendary quarterback. I, I got. I know I'm a million miles away from the West Coast <laughs> and and the NFC, but it seems why is Jimmy Garoppolo a guy who got that team to the Super Bowl? Why is it that all of a sudden everybody's throwing him off the bus? It's a fair question, and I'll tell you why I'm at least skeptical that that, that the Niners are 100 percent through with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the second quarter of that game and the fourth quarter of that game in the Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball back at the end of the first half. Kyle Shanahan did not let him throw the football in those first two plays. They ran the football. They wanted to get to halftime. Think back to the Eagles-Patriots game. Doug Peterson trusted Nick Foles. They scored a touchdown on that drive. They even converted a fourth and one with Billy Special. Uh, and they win that game because Doug Peterson had total faith in Nick Foles. He had no choice. I don't know that Kyle Shanahan had faith in Jimmy Garoppolo in the situation. Then you go to the fourth quarter, he was like 3 of 10 for 28 yards with a pick. He was really bad in the fourth quarter, made a few mental mistakes, a few incorrect reads. Um, you know, Obviously, I think Jimmy Garoppolo was a good quarterback. I think the Niners don't have to make a change by any means. They don't have to make a change just for the sake of saying, hey, we got to upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you're the Niners, if you're Kyle Shanahan, and Tom Brady says, hey, I want to come play for the hometown team that I grew up supporting, and I can make it a reasonable financial opportunity for one year or two years. I, I, I don't know if you make that move, but I do think you have to at least legitimately consider it. Very interesting stuff, Bill. We thank you for coming on with us today to talk about it. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Bill Barnwell of ESPN, a little bit on Garoppolo and his status with the 49ers and how Tom Brady could impact that. I want to touch on that a little bit uh, when we come back. I'm going to do a little extended uh, segment here on the nightcap to lead you into Niagara and Marist, which is about 10, 15 minutes away. We're projecting right now um, from send you over to uh, coverage of the of uh, Niagara Purple Eagles basketball. But um, Garoppolo... And, like, I, I don't think the Niners have to keep him. I think there's an argument there. So we'll get into that uh, quickly when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase, 803-0550 if you want in on it, too. This is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Bit of an extended show tonight leading you into Niagara and Marist in the first round of the MAAC tournament. Are we calling – is it the MAAC or are we calling it the MAC or the MAC? I've been – I've been feeling myself calling it the MAAC all day. That's what I thought it was, but I heard uh, others referring to it as the MAC. But I thought the MAC was, like, the MAC, where UB plays. I don't know. It's a bad job by me not knowing that, but I always thought it was MAAC. So maybe it's just other people. I prefer that to sounding like a sheep, to be honest. (laughs) The MAC. (laughs) It's the sheep conference. Um so we'll lead you into a tip-off there, which uh, we expect to be a little over 10 minutes away, but uh, we'll get, keep you updated on when that'll be, and we'll kick things over to the Niagara broadcast um, in a few minutes here. But uh, I teased before the uh, before the break there at the end of the uh, second hour on Garoppolo and Brady and the 49ers. Bill Barnwell talking about that with One Bills Live I thought was very interesting. And this is an idea that I've kind of been on for a while. I think going back to I dug up one of my old tweets I'm like, I, last week, it was Mike Florio reporting it, and then it was um, Tom Curran, maybe, someone, one of the Patriots reporters, reported the same thing, that, hey, the 49ers are in on Brady. That doesn't have to happen, but they're in on it. Like, they're they're keeping tabs. They're, they're a part of the process. And that didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me in the slightest. There's a lot going on there, and I think it's all super interesting, and I hope that a lot of this could be true, but... Maybe it's the maybe I'm going too conspiracy theory here, but I truly do believe that Bill Belichick is smart enough that he would have saw the future three, four years out when he had that reported dispute 
with Tom Brady that made him, that basically forced him to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, which I'm assuming would have come down from ownership, that Belichick would have known, all right, you're not going to walk out the door next year, though, Tom. Like, if you're making me trade Garoppolo, you're here and you're staying here. So, what I'm going to do is I'm not even going to shop Jimmy around. I'm not going to get the most I can get for him because I could probably get a first-round pick elsewhere. I could probably get a first-round pick plus stuff elsewhere. I'm going to call San Francisco the team that I know you grew up loving. The one team that makes the most sense for if, hey, if you ever wanted to leave here and play one last year somewhere else, where would Tom Brady want to do it? The San Francisco 49ers. And I don't put it past Bill Belichick, even though this is very conspiracy theoristy that he would have saw the future and said, I'm sending Garoppolo there because now you're not going to get a shot to do it. But here's the thing. They could still do it. I believe they could. Garoppolo has been good. He's been maybe even very good. Has he been amazing? Has he been even franchise quarterback worthy? I don't think so. And I think that the T, like the 49ers are giving you signs that they maybe don't think so either couple of things one the contract on the surface you just look at the years and you look at the dollar amount that Jimmy Garoppolo got and you would totally think to yourself they believe he's a franchise quarterback but if you look a little deeper and you see that this offseason if they wanted to they can get out of that contract scotch-free it's like a four million dollar cap hit nothing at all to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo they can do it if they want they set up a contract where they can get out of it because they weren't 100% sure that he was the guy. And go back to last season. Go back to the end of the first half. Barnwell was just talking about this. The end of the first half in the Super Bowl. And even before that, Garoppolo, didn't he throw 70 yards in the NFC Championship game? Didn't have to do anything. It was Raheem Mostert. It was that rushing attack from San Francisco that led them to the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, I think, are giving you signs. They do not all the way believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. They might believe he's a very good quarterback, which I think he is. But I don't think I think San Francisco is smart enough to realize they can do better. Is Tom Brady better? That's a that's a tough one. That's close. To me, if they had an opportunity to go get, you know, Who's a good name for this? Deshaun Watson. He's not, not going to become available ever. But a guy that good? I truly believe San Francisco set themselves up where they can move on for that guy. And maybe they believe that guy is Tom Brady. I think there's an argument to be made that Tom Brady is a better quarterback at this stage in his career than even Jimmy Garoppolo is. Look at the supporting staff from last season. Their numbers were very similar. Garoppolo had a little more on the interceptions. Brady had a little bit more yardage. Their touchdowns were very similar. I think Garoppolo had a little bit more when you came to touchdowns. But look at what they had to work with. Both teams had amazing defenses, like the best two defenses in football, so I don't have to go there. But what did they have to support them on offense? The Patriots were working with what? Edelman, who couldn't stay healthy all year, banged up ribs, almost missed the Bills game at the end of the season, almost missed the playoff game. Nikhil Harry, a first-round rookie who didn't really do all that much in his first season as a pro. Matt Lacoste and Ben Watson as his starting tight ends. And what did they do? Ben Watson's like 40-something, and Lacoste was like a practice squad guy in Denver who came over and had to play a big role for New England. Marshall Newhouse, who couldn't make the Bills offensive line two years ago when the Bills offensive line stunk, was New England's starting left tackle 
to begin the season. And San Francisco, on the other hand. They also had a tiny dose of Josh Gordon. I forgot Let's about Josh Gordon. He was there for even a tinier dose of Antonio Brown. <laughs> That's for right. One game. Um, okay, so yeah, maybe they got, what, like six, seven games worth out of Josh Gordon and uh, Antonio Brown. Maybe Gordon was even there longer than that this year. Was it more than seven games? I don't know. Um, but I do know San Francisco has the supporting staff that you want. They have maybe the best rushing attack in football. They have like four good running backs. They have a tremendous offensive line. They have one of the best tight ends in the league in George Kittle. They don't have a superstar receiver, but they go five, six receivers deep up front. Debo Samuel had a better rookie season than Nikhil Harry did for New England in San Francisco. Um, you had Emmanuel Sanders that they brought in at the deadline who proved to be a nice piece for them. Marquise Goodwin as a vertical threat is like your fourth receiver. That's not too bad either. They had this guy named Kendrick Bourne who just showed up and scored like six touchdowns. So they had a lot. Grapple had so much to work with. Plus, of course, Kyle Shanahan might be the best quarterback whisperer in the league. Brady, despite all that, had a very similar season. So what happens if I flip the two? Again, it doesn't have to go better, but there is an argument to be made that San Francisco wins that Super Bowl if Tom Brady's their quarterback. It could have it could have been the case. And I could see why San Francisco could think to themselves, we're going to take a shot at that. I know he's 43. I know that we're passing on a 28-year-old guy in favor of him. But he wants to play here. He grew up wanting to play here. And we think our window is open now to win a Super Bowl. Hell, Let's go get Tom Brady. And I don't think it's crazy to think. I really don't that the Niners could do it. I would not bet on it unless I got really good odds. But I would not bet on it. I think the Raiders are more likely because they're willing to offer him $30 million. And they seem much more willing to move on from Derek Carr than the Niners would be from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think the Colts are maybe still a team that I would look at. Although it doesn't sound like there's any noise trending towards him going to the Colts. Um, who else for this? You have Tampa Bay who could do it. And there's always, of course, he could just stay in New England. So I think Brady and what he does is super interesting, but I don't think we should just discount the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so yeah, if you're waiting, wondering, by the way, we're waiting on Niagara and Marist, which we'll get you to in a matter of moments. I'm watching hockey on in here right now. we got the Bruins and the Flyers on, uh, NBCSN. And I've got big fantasy implications on the night, fantasy hockey-wise. I know Kyle might be getting annoyed already. Then, like, rooting for Tuka Rask to get this shutout here. The Bruins are up one to nothing. The Flyers are the the whole scalding. They're scald nine in a row. Carter Hart is like twenty and one uh, at home this year. His splits, by the way, are incredible this year. He's like twenty one. 21 and 2 maybe at home with like a 950 save percentage and then on the road it's like 4 10 and 1 and it's 850 it's yeah bad and i have toyed with the idea all year and they've started to do it literally just make a home and road well tandem what i saw is elliot has only started 8 games at home this year and mm-hmm. 23 on the road so i think the flyers recognize this too yeah i think it's when i'm looking at the eastern conference playoff race right now which i think is getting really interesting florida's back in it the rangers are back in it the Islanders are faltering. The Blue Jackets are faltering. The Hurricanes are back in it, and they did it without even with their AHL goaltenders. But it looked a little bit even higher. How interesting it is. We could get Washington and Pittsburgh in the first round, and now it's two nothing Boston, by the way. But I think it is incredibly important because of what we just said and how the difference between Carter Hart home versus road. Philly to win that division would be huge for them. 
I think. If you can get matched up with like the Islanders or the Blue Jackets in the first round, I'm taking the Flyers. I still think if they played Pitt, I know they've been way hotter. Pittsburgh's been really slow as of late. I would take Phil. I still would take Pittsburgh over Philly, even without home ice in the first round. Um, wow, Patrice Bergeron. It's a tough one. Um, good goal by him to make it two nothing Bruins. So yeah, I think the East is getting super interesting, and Philly has kind of made it interesting. I don't really know how they're doing it though. I know they're loaded up front. They got they go like eight forwards deep. I think score wise, but like Matt Niskanen's playing top minutes for them, like on the blue line. And like, Matt, he's fine. Like he's a good defenseman. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I want Matt Niskanen being my like being second on my team in ice time. The thing that they did very well, and on my way in, I listened to you and Brendan Keeney talk about how much money you want to allot into the net. Mm-hmm. They have less than $3 million spent at that position with Carter Hart on the rookie deal Crazy. and Brian Elliott at $2 million as the backup. That's where you want to be. Yeah. So that's a lot of money to toy around with. You know, Kevin Hayes and JVR, consecutive off-seasons racking in 7 by 7s Yep. It's a lot easier to work around that when you're not sacked with a 4 or $5 million contract to a starter, even a backup that may be like, oh, sure. man, we're stuck in this position where – we got to give him 25 games. We gave him this big amount of money. No, that's not the case. They they have a lot of flexibility, and yep. even with that flexibility, they played it smart and just went depth at the deadline with Thompson and Derek. Derek Grant's been great. He may come back. Yeah, five, five points in his first three games. Yeah, and he what a story that guy's been. He couldn't get an NHL goal mm-hmm. for his first like four years of his career. Now he's like you know a 20 goal scorer. Like he's a good offensive player. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. Like the East is really interesting to me right now. I'm hoping because of that that uh. Of course, the coronavirus uh, outbreak does not continue to spread and get us to a point where um, where we're playing Stanley Cup playoff games in front of empty arenas, and we might be getting closer to that. Of course, you had the thing with the Blue Jackets earlier today where they said that they are basically going against the Ohio governor's recommendation to not hold public events above 500 people indoors. The Blue Jackets are still going to be having their games open to the public. Um, and then you had Philly... City officials also recommend the same thing earlier today, and I have not seen anything from the Flyers as of yet. Of course, they're playing in their building right now. Those are two teams that will be in – well, Columbus maybe won't be, but there's those are two teams that could be in the playoffs that could be playing in front of empty arenas. You have the same thing going on with the Sharks right now. They're going to be playing in front of empty uh, – in an empty crowd. So, um, yeah, it's scary stuff. And I, there's – like, I think you, you can do both things. I am fully – aware of how serious an issue this is and that is the bigger story at the same time it will be sad to me and it will it will suck if we have to if, if we don't get you know the playoffs with fans in it because it won't feel the same the nba playoffs with fans in it because it won't feel the same mm-hmm. the masters without that roar on 18 um or like any crowd reaction at, at augusta like it'll all feel very cheapened and it'll feel kind of watered down like the ncaa tournament too for this but um obviously you got to do it like that's just kind of what's going on in the world right now you got to do it quickly before we wrap and give way to todd callen on the other side i didn't get a chance to read the full report so the rest of the season is sap center completely quarantined are the sharks going to be playing home games on the road um i don't know if they've announced what they're doing specifically yet what was mentioned was that the county was like this wasn't a recommendation like in Ohio or in Philly. The county was banning basically that the Sharks could play games, gotcha. um, as well as all public events above a thousand people. So 
This is only, though, I believe for the next three weeks, which means that the Shark, for now, I mean, it could go past that, of course. So that's three games but that are affected by the San Jose Sharks. I have not seen anything on what they might do. Um, they, I haven't seen whether they'll cancel the games. I would guess that's not going to happen. I haven't seen whether they'll play them somewhere else. I don't know if there's like another arena in California that could host them, that they would do that maybe or something. Um, and I also don't know if they would play. I think the most likely outcome is they just play the games in SAP Center in front of empty arenas, but there's nothing yet on what they'll do there. But we do know they're not going to be playing those home games in front of fans. So there's that. All right. Thanks so much for listening to the Nightcap tonight. Got an extra 20 minutes in here on the show. Thanks to Brendan Keeney for joining me for the first hour and a half uh, earlier, talking some football and a little bit of Sabres in net as well. I will be back with you tomorrow night. Sabres are not in action next until Thursday night at the Montreal Canadiens, so you'll have me tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Until then, enjoy uh, Niagara and Marist in the first round of the MAAC tournament. Todd Callen takes over right after this. So stay tuned here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.